This is Bruce, the first commander of the Queen's combat team of the Garden Angels. If you are capable and truly care about protecting our city from crime, then let's talk. This is a volunteer basis and I need your help. Help in restoring and taking back our city one street at a time. Call or text me at 718-517-0335. There are true angels in all of us. Let your inner angel help me fight. So, do you dare to care? Call Bruce at 718-517-0335. That's 718-517-0335. Street noises, that means usually that there's something coming up on the street. And the third name in the Buffalo race, of course, is Ben Carlisle. Ben is a candidate who was kind of unexpected, an independent, not part of the Democratic Party, not part of the Republican Party. He's just out there running on his own. He was a uh, student in Buffalo who decided to stay, become a lawyer, and has served the community for about 18 years. According to Ben's website, his primary goals are just making the families and citizens of Buffalo happy and uh, making sure that they can live their lives in a effective manner while taking care of one another as good neighbors do, but also making sure that those who pay into the system get out of the system what they deserve as well, meaning taxpayers get the proper services, garbage is collected on time, and of course, clean streets means clean city, but that's not enforceable unless you have clean cops, and therefore, the police have to be properly supervised in their activities, but also be given the full support of the community where it counts the most, and that is in financial assistance. That defunding the police has proven to be an ineffective method of policing. Take a look down south, just go to New York City, where every few minutes you hear sirens, you hear robberies, you hear rapes, you hear problems, and that's in a socialist-run city. Hey, I moved out to an area in Queens in New York City, and that area has a particular heavy-duty problem when it comes to crime, which is growing daily. Gang violence is rising, criminal activity is going through the roof, and that is the problem in the 14th district of the congressional uh, part of politics in New York State. Guess who runs the 14th district? Why, that's the DSA lady herself. That is all or crazy, as they sometimes call her, uh, AOC or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her activities that we know a lot about. Anyway, here's more of Ben Carla from that interview on WBBZ. We'll talk more in a bit. Okay, so the first question then becomes how much of a challenge is this to you? It's a, it's a tall order. It's a very tall order, and I think it's, you know, it's not impossible. A lot of people tell me it's impossible. They tell me, oh, well, at least you'll get your name out there. I'm not trying to get my name out there. I'm trying to win. When I go out in town, um, at, there was this window of time when it was looking like maybe Byron Brown could get on the ballot. And the Erie County Board of Elections said, if that decision is upheld by the higher courts that Byron Brown can stay on the ballot, then all the other writings will have an opportunity to try to get on the ballot. 
basically there won't be a deadline. So I went out with my wife and a few friends for four days and we collected signatures. And I would say at least three in 10 people were like, no, I'm not gonna sign your ballot, I know who I'm gonna vote for. But seven in 10 people were happy to sign the ballot, they're happy to talk to me about why I'm running. And I think what that's indicative of is there's a lot of undecided voters right now. There's a lot of people who feel like they want to change after 16 years of Byron Brown, but they don't want India Walton's change. And so they're reluctantly sticking with Byron Brown. And then there's some people who are frankly fed up with Byron Brown and they're going to vote for India Walton because she represents change and they're comfortable with the kind of change she offers. But neither one of them, as far as I can tell, are getting legitimate adoration. There, I mean, there are some people who are legitimately in love with India Walton, I'll grant her that, but I think it's a tiny, small fraction. She got you know, a shave over 12,000 votes in the primary, and she talks about how she has the will of the people. There's almost 300,000 people in Buffalo. She got 12,000 people to vote for her. That's not the will of the people. You know, you see a lot of signs in Buffalo, a lot of Byron Brown signs, a lot of India Walton signs. What you see more of are empty lawns. People who are undecided or just are fed up with politics and they're not gonna vote at all. So. My biggest challenge right now is not convincing them to vote for me, but to let them know that there's a third option. The more and more people find out that there's a third option, that it's someone who's not associated with any major political party, someone who doesn't owe people favors, someone who isn't collecting money from billionaires, that, you know, people come to my side and people are very, very happy to realize that they have another alternative. But that's the biggest chore, like I said. Not convincing them to vote for me, but just letting them know that there's an option. Well, you know, your point is well taken. There's, there's 150, almost 156,000 registered voters in the city, and she got around 12,000 votes. That's not a mandate. I mean, that's not an overall or overwhelming, uh, uh, you know, vote of confidence. So, you know, it's up in the air in, in terms of what's going to happen in the main election. Uh, it remains to be seen. Now, uh, you are relatively unknown, okay? You're not an incumbent and you're not a party nominee. Tell us a little bit about who Ben Carlisle is. I came to Buffalo for school, so I came here in 2003. I finished up my undergrad, and honestly, I didn't really have any plans on sticking around. I was gonna finish my undergrad and then move on, but after I finished my undergrad, I got accepted to UB Law, so I was like, oh, well, I'll stick around for three more years, and then I graduated from UB Law, and I knew it was gonna be really challenging to get a job in Buffalo because I'm not from Buffalo. I don't, at the time, didn't have any family in Buffalo, but I got a job here in Buffalo, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll stick around a few more years. And then my thought was, well, you know, if I get five years um, practicing law in the state of New York, then I'll have reciprocity and I can go somewhere else. But five years turned into 10 years, and now I've been here 18 years, and I love Buffalo. When I was growing up, we moved all over the place. I lived born in Louisiana, then we moved to California, then we moved to Arkansas, then we moved to Delaware, then we moved to North Carolina. So by the time I came to Buffalo, I think I'd lived in something like 30 different houses. You know, and people would say, you know, where are you from? And it was always a tough question for me because, you know, I'm from Louisiana, my mom's family's still there, but, you know, we moved away when I was four and I'd never really spent more than a couple years in any town after that. So now people tell me, you know, where are you from? I tell them I'm from Buffalo and it's awesome. I love it here. And I don't want to go anywhere, but I feel like, depending on how this election goes, I might not have a choice because I'm not going to stick around if Indy Walton's going to be our mayor. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm getting into this race. I love this town and I'm completely dissatisfied with our choices currently. So, 
Well, you know, the city of Buffalo is like a huge corporation. You know, it's 2,500 people or more on the payroll, uh, $500 million or more of, uh, of budget. And in addition to all the other complications, there's federal laws to comply with and state laws, and you have a, a common council to, to squeeze things through. You just can't, as an, a, a chief executive, you can't make decisions. You have to have other approval processes. Uh, so, it, and in some cases, it, these are life and death decisions when it comes to law enforcement, uh, emergency services. Uh, there's a real quality of life uh, uh, element in this for, the, for a lot of people. Very complicated. What gives you the qualifications to take on a job like that? Well, honestly, you know, if, if the mayor's job was to handle all of that, it would be too daunting for one person and I wouldn't want to try to do it. But City Hall is filled with thousands of workers. It's not the mayor doing it alone. As you said, it's a collaborative effort with the Common Council. So I think what a mayor brings to the table has to be good leadership and bringing out the best in other people. And that's what I can do. I've, you know, had the same job for 13 years. I've been extremely, extremely effective at what I do. I do, while well, I say I do, I did. I, my last day in the office was October 1st, but I practice workers' compensation defense work. My job in workers' compensation defense work is to root out corruption, to find fraud, and to save my clients money. Over the years, I've probably saved them tens of millions of dollars. So, you know, as a chief executive, like I said, it's, it's just bringing out the best in people, being an effective leader, having character, being able to reach across the line. As I've said before, I don't want to reach across the line. I want to get rid of the aisle altogether. It's time for a fresh start. It's time for someone with new ideas. I'm not going to come in there and, like you said, we're doing it this way, this way, and this way, and, and that's the way it's going to be. It's going to require it's going to require a collaborative effort, and it's going to require someone who can work with other people, and I think I can do that. Okay, one of the things that you've stressed the most when I've heard you talk in the debate and on your website uh, you've stressed that socialism, which is a big topic in, in this race, socialism is, uh, is a danger. And, and you've talked a lot about that. Explain a little bit about that subject. It's a A lot of the topics that Ben Carlisle has been discussing, of course, are topics that are close to the people's heart in Buffalo. And let's talk about the, one of the most important things, and that is, of course, what it costs to pay for keeping a city up. Yes, paying for keeping it up. That is something that's important to everybody in Buffalo. How do we pay for it all? How do we make things work? How are taxes to be run? How is the city to be managed? Let's listen to more from the interview. There's a topic of taxes that continuously pops up in any of India Walton's plans. Walton is planning to raise taxes across the board. Guess what? That's going to mean that tailgates are going to be more expensive. Bro, you will not have as much brew to tailgate if Walton comes in. And you know what else? The gate is going to go up on ticket sales. Yeah, if you buy your Bills tickets or Sabres tickets in Buffalo, you're probably going to pay a premium for them under a socialist government. And not only that, any brewskis? <laughs> forget it. You can forget the beer. Anyway, we'll listen more to what Ben has to say. One of the things that you've stressed the most when I've heard you talk in the debate 
and on your website, uh, you've stressed that socialism, which is a big topic in, in this race, socialism is, uh, is a danger. And, and you've talked a lot about that. Explain a little bit about that subject. It's a, it's a tricky subject because a lot of people, frankly, just don't know their history. And when I tell people I'm against socialism and they say, why? And I say, because it's never worked anywhere. And they say, oh, well, look at Sweden. And that's when you have to tell people, okay, Sweden is not a socialist country. Ask anyone in Sweden, they will tell you we're a capitalist country. They happen to have universal health care. And what I tell people is universal health care and capitalism are not mutually exclusive. But socialism and freedom are mutually exclusive. So you can't just say, oh, Canada's got universal health care. They're a socialist country. They're not. They're a capitalist country. The UK has universal health care. They must be a socialist country. They're not. They're a capitalist country. You look at places that have tried socialism recently, Venezuela being you know, the most obvious example. They went from a very rich country to bread lines within six years. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work for a host of reasons, but most importantly, it removes the incentive for people to try hard and to excel. If everyone's getting the same portion, if everyone's treated the same, you know, inevitably you're going to have people in society who don't want to chip in their full effort. And then you've got people at the top who just get completely corrupted. So, you know, I think for those two reasons, it just doesn't work. I applaud the sentiment. I wish it would. It would be great if we could just all have the, even Stephen, and we would have this utopia. It, it just doesn't work is the problem. If it worked, if you, if you could point me to one example of it working, I'd say, okay, let's do it. Let's give it a shot in Buffalo. But no American city has had a socialist since 1960, and there's a reason for that. Because people look around, they say, doesn't work. Why on earth would we want to try it here? So I think that's, it's just my opposition to socialism, really simple, does not work. Why, why do you think people are more accepting? of socialism these days. I mean, it used to be very taboo, uh, but recently it's become almost fashionable to, to say, you know, socialism is okay. A, a recent poll uh, showed that I think 42% of Americans who were asked said socialism's not so bad. Go back and ask those 42 people, what's the definition of socialism? And they're like, well, you know, um, maybe universal health care and billionaires paying more in taxes. That's not socialism. So my, and I don't know this definitively, but my guess is the 42% of people who say, yeah, let's try socialism, don't know what it is, haven't read a history book, and want something different. And everyone's frustrated with the gap inequality between the super rich and the super poor. It's only gotten worse over the last 60 years. And I think people are looking for anything to make you know, to, to, to shorten that gap. There's no reason why the head of a company should make 100 times more than his or her employees. So there's definitely, I understand the frustration and I understand wanting to find a solution to that. It's just not socialism. Yeah, I think it might be the, uh, the, the tactic of a lot of people, politicians in particular, that use a, an us versus them, rich versus poor, divide uh, as opposed to get together strategy um, to you know make to kind of rile people up and and you know that's kind of a winning strategy when you can say okay we're divided you got to be on my side if you're not on my side you're an enemy and uh, you know maybe that's part of the reason I'm not sure but uh, I, I see that more and more you, you go to TV uh, uh, programs on the cable 
and radio shows, and it, they're all anger-based. You know, you have to be angry uh, because the other side is doing something that's evil. Not, not just wrong, but evil. It's yeah. an attack, a personal yeah. attack. Yeah, I mean, that's where we've gotten in society. They want to divide us any which way they can because if we're divided, we're not working together and it distracts us from the important things. I completely agree and it's really toxic, really, really toxic. And that's why, you know, Indy Walton has posted stuff online about how people come up to her in public and are really mean to her and vicious and nasty and I just think that's terrible. You know, she has a different perspective. She has ideas I don't agree with, but she mm -hmm. deserves respect. And, you know, because I tell people I don't agree with socialism and I don't like it. It doesn't mean I hate socialists. It doesn't mean I, you know, want to vanish them from, from the civil discussion. It, I think we should just talk about it. And I think the more we talk about it, we can convince each other that there's a better solution. So, you know, villainizing people, creating these differences, getting everyone so worked up, it, it's not the solution. You know, I find no matter what somebody calls themselves, you know, socialist or conservative, uh, you know, liberal, when you discuss topics and motivation and what people uh, deserve and, and where things in policy uh, lie. Trying to be fair for all, again, we're shouting out to India Walton and her camp. If she wants to get on the show, all she has to do is call. She knows how to get through to, through to us. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Getter. We are on uh, Reddit. We are on a whole bunch of platforms out there, including Rumble. Hey, this is Mike of New York. This has been a special topic of discussion on uh, Ben Carlisle. I'm Mike of New York. Thank you. If you listen to the socialists and the communists, this is all they have to say about what is coming to the Democratic Party and its current leadership. The tired, tired, old Democratic Party that is beholden to big money. We are winning race after race. We're winning the war of ideas. We're winning over the people. The people were already there. And it's about time, my friends, that we have more people holding office who share our values and our ideas. I mean, this is how crazy, this is how crazy it is, how, how much we're winning. We've got Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi on board pushing our agenda. This $3.5 trillion bill, Bernie wrote it, Biden backs it, and we're winning. <laughs> That's the good news. And that is the bad news for the rest of America. The socialist, the communist, say they're winning. What comes next? <laughs>